Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. We are in week two of a pretty cool series. Everybody say week two of a series that we are calling Come and Talk to Me. How many of you all learned something last week when we started out this conversation? Some of you weren't here last week and you may have heard this, this term before, come and talk to me. And you may be singing a song in your head that you shouldn't be singing in church. You can blame me, that's okay. That's actually where this song or where this uh, title came from is a song from the 90s by a group named Jodeci that was called Come and Talk to Me. And, um, it's really interesting that the lyrics really speak to the heart of prayer, because that's really what we're talking about, right? He said, he said come and talk to me. Um, I really want to meet you. Come and talk to me. I really want to know you. And when you really think about it, put the, put the, the group and the, and the song to the side for a second, that's really the heart of prayer. God wants us to come and talk to him because he wants us to meet him at a new level, at a deeper level. He wants us to come and talk to him because he doesn't just want us to meet him, but he wants us to know him. Somebody say, I want to know him. A lot of people have that goal to know the Lord more to know the Lord better. But we don't realize that the key to all of that is our ability and our consistency when it comes to prayer. That's us engaging in a conversation with the Lord on a regular basis. Last week, one of the things that we talked about was the fact that prayer is invitational. We have to welcome him into the various parts of our life. We have to not only pray on Sunday morning. We have to not only pray over our meals, but we have to pray in all situations and in all circumstances. And the heart scripture that serves as the centerpiece of our entire series is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And it reads, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I'll say that again. This is his will for you. His will is that you have access to him. His will is that you have a conversation with him. His will is that you include him in everything that you're doing. And so we came with a rally cry last week and we said, this is gonna be the rally cry of all nations of the world and that's gonna to be to pray first. We have decided within ourselves that we are going to pray first. So before we fill out a job applications, we're going to pray first. Before we decide to go out on that first date, we're going to. Before we decide to put a ring on it, we're going to. Before I start that business, I'm going to. 
Before I go into this meeting, I'm going to. Before I tell my spouse how I really feel, I'm going to. <laughs> I'm going to pray first. Why? Because I want to invite the Lord in. If it's a struggle to pray for first, there's a heart problem. If you have it within yourselves like, no, I don't need Jesus input on this. There's a problem. It should be our desire to pray first. The, the, the same verse in the NLT says it like this. First Thessalonians 5:17 says, never stop praying. Never stop praying. That's the whole verse. It's the easy verse to remember. Never stop praying. That means that not that I'm praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but that there's no part of my life that's off limits to prayer. It means that it becomes my go-to. Uh, a hero of the faith, his name was uh, Smith Wigglesworth. I think that's a pretty cool name. I think you have to be a theologian if your name is Smith Wigglesworth. I don't think there's too many other options. But he says, I never pray for more than 20 minutes, but I never go for 20 minutes without praying. It's such a part of who he was. I read in one of his books, he was driving, uh, uh, he was going to go speak somewhere and the person um, was driving him. He said, wait, stop, stop. And the guy slammed on the brakes. And he was like, what? What's, what's, what's wrong? I haven't had my prayer time yet. Hold on. Got out the car, side of the road, and prayed. He had to stop what was going on because prayer was so important. He knew he needed it so bad that he was willing to just stop and pray. Sometimes, no matter what's going on, no matter how crazy it looks or seems or how out of place it might appear, sometimes we just need to stop and pray. I had to do that today. My brain is, is, was just so full. My wife and I have this big decision we got to make and got to make it soon. And it was just consuming my brain. And we were leaving out for church today. And y'all, I went the wrong way. My brain was so full. She said, boy, where are you going? I said, I don't know. She said, why are you going this way? I said, I don't know. And my brain was so full, I couldn't even rectify the situation. I said, so which way am I supposed to go? <laughs> True story. She said, you're supposed to go that way. I said, like, okay. My brain was full. Sometimes life be lifing. Can we just be real? Is that okay? Can we be real this Sunday? You don't have a pastor that has on a Superman cape. I'm a person like you're a person. I don't think I'm alone. I think for some of us, life has been lifing. And our brains are so full. We've got all these choices and decisions and it feels like a lot. So when I got here, I had to pray. And then later on, my wife came and, and she prayed over me. Because prayer changes things. Prayer is an asset, not a liability. The problem is so many of us treat it like a liability. Oh, let me go pray. That's right, I'm supposed to pray. 
Now I lay me down to sleep. We talked about that last week. We're not going to do that no more. Okay. But we do it like it's a liability, like it's an obligation, like it's a chore. Because we don't see just, just how precious it is. Just how valuable it is to our everyday, to our 24 hours. Just how precious it is to be able to talk to the God of the universe and say, this is what I'm facing. I need your help. I can't figure this out. Matter of fact, I don't want to figure it out. I would just rather know what you have to say about it. That's a different level of maturity. When you desire God's input into your daily decisions, that's another level, y'all. And that's where we're trying to get to in today's message. Today's message is called a prayer life. A prayer life. Now, sometimes we hear that phrase and we think small. We think, we think lowercase l. We think of the part of our life that we use to pray. We can even think of certain people that we feel have a strong prayer life, lowercase l. I remember facing a situation with my wife and she was pregnant with our youngest and a health challenge was a, uh, uh, made known but all the tests that had to be taken, just typical pregnancy tests, and, and, and the situation came up, and she was given two options as far as medication, and one could have hurt her, and if she chose the other one, that could have hurt the baby, and so we had to choose one of these two options. And I knew how to pray, but I was like, this is, I need somebody that know how to pray. Has anybody ever been there before? Yeah. Like, you know how to pray, but she was like, this, I need to talk to somebody that know how to pray. And so the first thing I thought was my mom. I saw it my whole life to this day. She's praying every single day. So I remember finding comfort. I remember as I said, you're praying about this, right? And she said, yes, yes, I'm praying about this. I was like, okay. I found comfort in her prayer life. But we have to get to the place to where we have that for ourselves. That can be cultivated no matter who you are. You can have a prayer life. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this a little further. I don't want you to just have a prayer life, lowercase l, where there's a part of your life that you're working on to become stronger in prayer. But I want you to have a prayer life, capital L, which meaning that it's the center of your life. The life that you live is full of prayer. So you don't just have a prayer life, you have a prayer life. In the book of Luke 18 and 1, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray. This is Jesus. This is the one that you surrendered to. This is the one that, that bled and died for you. And this is the one that you say that you, that you believe in. His instructions was that we should always pray. The question is, if if we should always pray, are we praying always? Or are we sometimes praying? Are we casual prayers? Like some of y'all are casual drinkers and I'm praying for y'all. But some of us are also casual prayers. Meaning that in certain situations, we know we, we ought to pray. In certain situations, we feel as though we must pray. 
But when you have a prayer life, you're always praying about everything and in every situation. Does that feel like a burden to you? Well, hopefully by the end of this message, it won't feel like a burden. It'll feel like a blessing. Because that's what prayer is. God blessed us with the ability and the privilege of prayer. And so we say it like this around here. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Prayer should be our first response and not our last resort. God wants you and I to live a life full of prayer because that's full of communication with him. Think about the relationship on this earth that you value the most. Now imagine if you only talk to them every now and then. How valuable, how strong, how lasting would that relationship be? I'm willing to bet that pretty soon that relationship that you verbally say that you value but that you spent no time communicating with will deteriorate, will fall apart will not stand the test of time. The same thing is with this relationship that we come in here and we sing about. The God of miracles. They tell me not to sing, so I'm sorry. (laughs) But we sing about the goodness of Jesus. We cry like snot. But then we don't say nothing else to him until next Sunday. What type of relationship is that? A dysfunctional one. Let me answer it for you. What he values most, the reason he came and died and got up out the grave was to be in a relationship with you. He didn't just want you to be a good church attendee. That's religion. He didn't die for religion. He died because he wanted a relationship with you. He created you because he wants a relationship with you. If we look at the book of John, the 15th chapter and and a couple of verses, 14 and 15, the first, first word in there, it says remain. It says remain in me and I will remain in you. And I want to focus on that word remain because this is what sets those who have a relationship with Jesus apart from those who are following religious rituals. It's those who remain. The definition of the word remain is to stay and stay unchanged. That means He is asking and desiring for you to come into his presence and stay there. And when you decide that you are going to remain in him, he says, comma, I will remain in you. You won't have to figure all this out by yourself. You won't have to carry all this weight on your own strength because I will be with you. I know life may be okay right now. Bills are paid. Family's healthy. 
fully employed. But there's going to come a day. There's going to come a moment where God's going to remind you, no matter how strong you are, no matter how spiritual you are, no matter how long you've been saved, that you still need a savior, that you still need a healer, that you still need a redeemer, that you still need a, here it is, a master. But a great way to circumvent having to be reminded is to remain. When you remain, he don't have to remind you because you know, because you haven't left his presence. And so that's why I want you to really just ask yourself, have I remained? Or was I praying so hard until I got the answer and now my prayers aren't as consistent? Did I pray so hard until I got the healing but now my prayers aren't as consistent? Did I pray so hard until I got married and now, well, no, I'm still praying because now I'm married. <laughs> but what happens after you got the answer? Did you remain? What happens after you got the breakthrough? Did you remain? Listen, when the pain is real, it's easy to remain because you want him to get this pain up off you. But what happens when everything is seemingly okay? Are you still there with straight A's? You still there after the promotion? Have you remained after your business took off? He is admonishing us to remain. Remember, that word means to stay unchanged. That means no matter what happens, I didn't move. And he promises us, this is, this, is, this is the part that you got to understand. He promises us that if we stay in him, he will stay in us. How many of you know that you need him? The second you forget that, you're in trouble. The second that you think you got it figured out, you are setting yourself up for a fall. And it's easier to have a little memory lapse than we want to give ourselves credit for. Because it's easy to wake up on a Monday and get to running this race of life, work, family, business, and have no room for God. It's way easier than you want to admit. And that's why Christ is encouraging us, begging us, no matter what happens, the best thing you can do for yourself presently and in the future is to remain in me. He's warning you because he knows what's ahead. He knows you better than you know you. And he knows what happens when you get comfortable. He knows what happens when you get laxed. Yeah. The devil's appeals start to seem a little more enticing. Why? Because you don't have your help. You're out here moving and grooving and moving and shaking on your own. And that's when you get devoured. And then you run back to him. But what he's trying to get you to do is come up out that cycle. Like the children of Israel. God answers, God delivers, miracle signs and wonders that we were just singing about. And then they go and lose their mind. And then they cry out, 
Abba, Father, come, we need you. He shows up and then they lose their mind. Does that sound familiar? You don't have to say amen. You just say it on the inside. So the best way to come up out of that behavior is to remain. He says, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. He is instructing us to know that we can't do anything great apart from him. We are a branch and the only way a branch survives, the only way a branch thrives, the only way a branch produces fruit is based on the strength of their connection to the vine. So a branch can be partially connected to a vine, but it won't bear much fruit because it's only partially connected. He's trying to agriculturally get you to understand just how important your connection to him is. And our connection is predicated upon us having a prayer life. It should be our lifestyle. We should be known for it. Does anybody consider you as a resource when they need prayer? Do you pop up in anybody's mind when their back is against the wall, when they don't know where to turn because they don't have a relationship with the Lord? Does anybody say, man, I know who to call. And is that is that you? Or do they call you when they want to gossip? When they want to vent, they're not looking for a solution. They're looking for a dysfunctional partner to pass their dysfunction on to. And is that when you come to mind? Oh, I know who's just as dysfunctional as me. I know who loves to gossip and backbite just as much as me. Let me call her. Let me call him. They will love this. This is juicy. How come they don't think of you when they need prayer? How come they don't think of you when they need breakthrough? How come they don't think of you when they need deliverance? How come they don't think of you when they think of Jesus? Because you haven't remained. See, when you remain in him and he remains in you, it's obvious. You ain't even got to say nothing. You ain't got to make no social media posts. You don't have to advertise because it's obvious. We can see that there's something different about you. When you're constantly talking to Jesus and he's constantly talking to you, it's going to show up in how you live your life. And that's going to do all the talking for you. People will know because people will see. He says in verse 15, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Much fruit, much fruit. They won't produce every now and then. They won't be seasonal. They will produce much fruit. There will always be fruit 
available from that person. Do you want to be a fruit bearer? Here's what you got to understand. Fruit that you bear is not just for you. So your children benefit from your prayer life. Your extended family benefits from your prayer life. Your co-workers benefit, no matter if you like them or not, they benefit from your prayer life. Your business benefits from your prayer life. Why? Because you'll know which decisions to make and which not. You'll know which clients to take on and which not. You'll know which doors to walk in and which to not. Because you're always talking to Jesus and he's always talking to you because you've made the decision to remain in him and he made the decision to remain in you. So how do we make this work? How do we develop a prayer life? I'm going to give you four principles to apply. And I'm going to challenge you. It's just four things. And I want you to apply it this week. I want you to spend the next seven days applying these four principles and I promise you that you will start to have a prayer life, capital L. Amen? So the first point is you need the priority of prayer. You need to make prayer a priority. Daniel 6 and 10, when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual. What you may not know is that the law that, that's being referred to in this, in this particular verse is that the king of that nation at that time made a decree that the only thing you could pray to was him. And if you were found praying to anybody else outside of him, you would be locked up. So now read this again. When Daniel learned that the law that I just articulated to you has been signed, he went home and what? Prayed. As usual. Meaning this was what he did. And it was so much a priority that he was willing to get locked up for it. It was so much a priority that in the face, the moment that this decree was made known, and Daniel ain't just a nobody. Daniel worked for the government. Daniel is a high-ranking authority figure who has influence, who people look up to. And he said, appreciate your decree, appreciate your statue, but I'm going to pray to not the king, but the king of kings. Because that's how I roll. He says, per as usual. I love the Bible. He said, this is what I do. I, I don't know what y'all talking about out there. That, that's cool. That's cool. I, I know what they're doing in the school systems. I know the different laws they're passing at, at, at Illinois at the state level. I know what they're passing at the federal government. But my response is, I'm going to pray as usual. Meaning I ain't new to this. I, I see the things changing. I saw, I saw what's on CNN. I saw what's on Fox News. But my response to that law being signed is to pray. Not to complain, not to worry, not to stress out, not to gossip. My response is to pray. 
as usual. Good news, I'm praying. Bad news, I'm praying. Because I have a prayer life. It's not that tough things don't arise. It's just that my posture doesn't change when tough things arise. Because I've decided to remain in him and he has decided to remain in me. Did you notice that that was his first response? They came and told him, hey, here's the new law. And his first response is to pray because there's something about making it first. Where I'm not dogmatic, I'm not, I'm not religious, and I'm not saying that that's scripturally saying that, 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 that you need to pray first or else your prayers aren't effective. That's not what I'm saying. But there's something about making prayer a priority that's special to God. And you don't have to over, you can just wait, open your eyes and say, Lord, thank you for letting me see another day. I appreciate you keeping me last night and I appreciate you bringing me into this new day. That's an acknowledgement first. That's making prayer a priority first instead of rolling out of bed and going straight to Facebook. Did I get you? Instead of rolling out of bed and checking your emails first, instead of rolling out of bed and checking your text messages first, why not roll out of bed and pray first? Why not make prayer a priority first. That's part of your challenge this week is to make prayer a priority. Because when you make prayer a priority, you make him a priority. So no matter who's trying to communicate with you via Facebook or social media, no matter who's trying to communicate with you via text message, the first communication you should do is with your heavenly father, the one who loves you the most the one who's most concerned about you. Make prayer a priority. Number two is the place of prayer, the place of prayer. And Mark 1 and 35 says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. You should have a place of prayer. It could be elaborate. I remember my wife telling me growing up in their, in their home, they had an actual prayer room. And, and her uncle made a, a, a replica of the Ark of the Covenant. And it was dope. And that's where my wife cultivated her, her prayer life. That's where she heard God speak to her for the first time audibly because they made a place of prayer. Now, depending on your context, maybe some of y'all heard of, heard of a prayer closet. Huh? I'm going to go in my prayer closet. Now, sometimes it's an actual closet. Like some people go in the actual closet and pray. You don't have to. The point is, do you have a place? For me, the place that I pray in the most is a room that we have in our basement. That's the place that I go, close the door, turn on some music, talk to God. Do you have a place of prayer or is it all random? Are you a bipolar prayer? I pray over here, pray over there, pray over here, pray over there, pray over here, sometimes here, sometimes there. Why not give God a place? And it could, it, literally, it could be your closet. If you don't have a, a, a room you could designate, it could be a chair in the corner. Give God a place in your home where you go 
and you talk to him. You need a place of prayer. The third thing is you need a plan of prayer. I hope you're taking notes because I'm challenging you to develop a prayer life. Let's talk about the plan of prayer. Luke 11, 1 and 2 says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came and said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples, Jesus said, this is how you should pray. And we went over this last week where we talked about how to pray the Lord's prayer. That's a plan that he gave them. He said, pray this, then talk about this, then talk about this, then talk about this, and then talk about this. If you didn't see that, go to our YouTube channel or podcast and, and listen to that because we outlined in detail how to pray the Lord's prayer. But something even more simpler, more simple that you can do is you can write down three things that morning that you're grateful for. And you can pray and thank God for those three things. You can write down three people that you want to pray for. And you can spend time praying for those three people. That's entering into your prayer with a plan. Now, you don't have to, again, be dogmatic. Sometimes I write down these things. Sometimes I've reached out to people and I say, hey, I'm about to pray. Like, is there something I can pray for you for? And sometimes I take that information and pray. Sometimes God takes me in a different direction during prayer. And so I have to during prayer and I have to come back and pray for those things later. The point is not to become dogmatic or religious. The point is to have a plan. It's to have a plan. Think about your job. If you go to your boss and say, hey, Mr. Mrs. Boss Man, I think it's time for a raise. They're going to say, why? Based on what? Do you have any evidence to show that you are of value of any sorts to this company? You can't be random and look for promotion because promotion don't happen randomly. There's got to be some proof. There's got to be some evidence. I have to see that you are a valuable asset to this organization in order for me to grant you any type of promotion. So why do we come to prayer randomly asking God for promotion? Why do we show up to prayer with no agenda, no foresight, no forethought, no foreknowledge, and ask God to open up the windows of heaven and pour us out a blessing that we don't have room for? And then we wonder why the window didn't get open. And we say prayer don't work. No, you don't know how to work prayer. You should have a plan. One of the, 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 the staples of the Lord's prayer is to pray for other people before you pray for yourself. How hard is it to text somebody and say, hey, is there anything I can pray for you for? And again, you don't have to go advertising just trying to make yourself seem holier than thou on social media. Like, I'm, I'm about to go into my prayer closet. Drop, drop your prayer request below. Because I'm holy. Like, that's not God. That's you. But you can reach out to folks. You can think about others before you think about yourself. Because we know our stuff. <laughs> we know us. We know what we're up against. We know what we're trying to figure out. We have no problem rambling that off to the Lord. 
But when's the last time we were considerate enough to think about the people that the Lord has put in our life? When's the last time we gave them any type of thought, any airspace in our prayer time? Whatsoever. You need to have a plan. Number four, last one, the persons of prayer. In order for you to have a solid prayer life, you need to include the persons of prayer. If you notice that word persons is capitalized, it's a capital P, because I'm talking about the Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13 and 14 says this, the amazing grace of the master, who is God the Father, Jesus Christ, the extravagant, excuse me, master is Jesus the Son, the extravagant love of God who is the Father, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. We need the persons of the Godhead involved in our prayer life if we're going to develop the type of prayer life that he wants and desires us to have. This, I need you to pay attention to this because this takes prayer from being a liability to being an asset. When you recognize that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit not only desires communication with you, but it's really standing by waiting for you to welcome them into your life. They want to be there for you. They want to help you on your journey. So the first thing he said was the amazing grace of Jesus. So the first person I want to tell you about is Jesus. Because here's what you need to know. Jesus, he's not on earth anymore. Did you know that? He gone. He's in heaven, sitting on the throne, but he's not just sitting there. The Bible says that he's making intercession for us, meaning that he's communicating to the Father on our behalf. Don't miss that. Do not miss that. That he's sitting there on the throne talking to God about you. You don't believe me. Hebrews 4 and 15 says, this high priest of ours, he understands our weakness. That alone should change your prayer life. Because some of us approach prayer from a broken place and feel as though because we're broken, because we're imperfect, we don't have a right to pray. Who are we to pray? But he says that this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. He gets it. That's why he had to live on this earth for 33 years. If the whole point was the cross, then there would be no reason for him to live the other years of his life. He could have just came, showed up, got on the cross, went to back to heaven and we'd be done. But he lived a life on this earth so that he could feel what we would feel. So he can experience our experiences. 
Because now when he's sitting on heaven in heaven, he can say, I know what that feels like. I've been there. These last two weeks for me have been pressure packed. I've been experiencing a lot of pressure. On one hand, I've been experiencing some business pressure. I have a business with my wife, and keeping that up, and we have a team members and making sure that that's running properly and making sure that everything is everything because we're bivocational. We don't take a salary from the church, so that's where our income comes from. And so we got to make sure that that's running. But at the same time, I've got, I've got ministry pressure, right? This church is five months old. Let me tell you something, man, it's hard starting a church. There's a whole lot of decisions got to be made. Every 24 hours, I have an amazing dream team. They take a lot of stuff off my plate, but there's still a whole lot of stuff on my plate just to do this, what we do every seven days. There's a whole lot of decisions that have to be made. There's a whole lot of moving pieces, and, and it comes with pressure when you're up front and when, when you have to be the one making, making these, these decisions and there's family pressure, man. I, I, have a, I, have a, I have a wife and I have, and I have children and, and, and we're all battling grief at the loss of, of my mother-in-law and I got to catch tears and I got to give hugs and I, and I have to give encouragement. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We all have spiritual gifts. Did you know that? No matter if they're active in you right now, the Bible says the gifts are without repentance. They're in you. You can find out more about them in, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans 12. And if you haven't taken a discovery class, we, we help you walk through that. You need to go sign up for the discovery class. Go out there and say, I want to I know my spiritual gifts. But my dominant two are leadership and exhortation. Exhortation is a big fancy word for being a person that always encourages people. So that's my dominant two. And so because it's a spiritual gift, it means that I have an abundant amount beyond my own strength. And so since one of my dominant gifts is leadership, I have the ability to take on a lot of things more than the average person. But sometimes we become so dependent on our spiritual gift that we we, we forsake the gift giver. And so because I'm, I'm that type of person, I keep, I keep adding, adding stuff to my plate. And I keep feeling more and, and, and more pressure. And so, and, so, and so like my son, you know, he's a basketball player. And, and, and I got to spend time with him to help him. And I don't know how to play basketball. I'm pretty terrible. I was a football player. But he wants to play basketball. And so now I got I to factor in time so that I make time for the things that he loves and the things that he's trying to grow in, right? And, 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 and I got to make sure that, that, I, that, I, that I spend time with, 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 with my wife and we have quality time together. And because I'm a husband, before I'm a pastor and, be, and before I'm a businessman, I'm a husband. It's my number one ministry. And I got to make sure that she's good and we good and we going to be good. Put that yellow dress on. We're going to be good. <laughs> right? But it's just, it's pressure. It's so much pressure. 
And, and as, soon, as soon as we started this, 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 this series on prayer, the pressure seemed to get a little, a little heavier. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm starting to, because I've been dealing with, I've been juggling these for, for a while now. But all of a sudden, I said, mm, I'm starting to feel this a little bit. Like I felt that. And then, and then one of the things the Lord told me recently, he said, he told me directly, he said that your call is going to require endurance. And so what I took some time to interpolate from that was that he was telling me that I needed to dial in my health and fitness, right? And so, and so I spent like, like last week, I spent the majority of last week just eating salad. I ain't never ate this many salads in my life. And so now that I said that publicly, y'all gonna judge me when y'all see me. I'm like, I don't see no, I don't see no salad, Pastor. Where your salad? So now I got salad pressure, right? I got salad pressure, right? So now I'm juggling, juggling salads. <laughs> and this is what we do. We be walking around with all this pressure and show up to church like, hey, how you doing? Blessed and highly favored. The Lord's been good to me. You, you, you talk a good game externally, but internally you walking around with all this pressure just trying to carry, just trying to juggle it, just trying to make sure don't, don't want to drop nothing. And on the inside, you know that if one more thing comes your way, if they hit you with one more thing, you're going to drop everything. It's going to be the last drop. And this is when we pray. When all the balls drop, we think, oh, let me go to the Lord because I need help. Let me call on my, my Savior to rescue me from this mess that I just created. Because you weren't living a prayer life. You used your, your spiritual gifts as an excuse. I'm a high capacity leader. I can handle this. Never let your gifts get in the way of your relationship with the gift giver. You always need him. Because this posture of just trying to carry everything is not, it's not what he desires for you. The reason that this verse says this in, in Hebrews 4 and 15, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. He faced all the same things, all the same tests as we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious father. There we will receive his mercy and find grace for what? To help us when we need it most. So this is what prayer looks like because what you didn't realize while you was carrying all this stuff was that Jesus was right there the whole time. But prayer is invitational. Jesus doesn't force his way into our situation, into our pressure. We have to invite him in. He was standing there the whole time. This stuff was steady getting thrown. He was standing there the whole time. But I didn't call on him. And that's where some of you are. You're just carrying all this pressure in your own strength. 
But when the Bible says to remain in me and I in you, it looks different. When the Bible says that Jesus is in heaven making intercession on our behalf because he knows our weaknesses, it looks different. How does it look? So when when the business pressure comes, I say, Lord, I don't know how to run this business, but you do. Can you help me? Lord, Lord, this church, this was your idea. You told me to launch all nations of the world. I didn't ask for this. Will, will you help me? Lord, Lord, my, my, my family's grieving. We're hurting. We're crying. Can you help us with this period of grief? Can you help me? Lord, I want to be a good dad and make sure that my son, he sees, uh, he gets everything he needs. Can you help me be a good dad? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I don't like salads. But I know that you said that my race requires endurance, so can you help me start to like these salads? Because I don't like salads. <laughs> and Lord, and Lord, and Lord, Lord, listen, I want my marriage to last forever. Can you make me a good husband? Can you help me be a good husband? Thank you, Lord, thank you so much. Because the Bible says that we could cast our burdens on him. Can y'all give a hand for Jesus? I mean, Marvin. But that's what a prayer life looks like. When it comes your way, you give it to Jesus. Stop trying to hold it. He didn't create you to hold it. Stop being fake and phony. Telling everybody everything's all right when it's not. You sitting there struggling. But you're trying to keep up this holy appearance. That's false. It's not even real. Because you're not operating out of a prayer life. You're going to end up dropping the ball. Because you're trying to move and operate in your own strength. You don't have to do it that way. That's what he wants you to understand. So when you invite Jesus in, you find help. You find grace. And then that verse talks about the extravagant love of the father. Ephesians, Paul said in Ephesians 3 and 14, for this reason, I kneel before the father. When you have this recognition in your mind of just how much he loves you, you don't have no problem bowing before him because you also understand that you don't deserve that love that he gives you. Do you realize the God that made everything loves you? By name. The Bible says that he knows the number of hairs on your head. Even if you don't have none, he counting your eyebrows. But he knows you that intimate. That's mind blowing that that God wants me to come and talk to him. Wow. Have you gotten so comfortable in your Christianity that you're not even inspired by that no more? When there was nothing, God was. And that God, he wants to talk to you. 
Don't ever lose sight of that. Don't ever look at that as a small thing. It's everything. You don't have to have that anxiety consume you. You can give it to him. You don't have to have that unemployment discourage you. You can give it to him. You don't have to let that sickness disable you. You can give it to him. Psalms 103 and 8 says the Lord is compassionate and merciful. You need to know who he is. Slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. We're describing your heavenly father. This is an actual prayer. Psalms 103 is a prayer. He will not constantly accuse us. That's the devil making you think that you're not in position to pray. The Bible says he will not accuse us. He's waiting on us. He loves us. Nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve for his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children. That's you. Tender and compassionate to those who fear him. You need to know who your father is and you need to know his character because when you understand this, you'll pray differently. You'll show up to his throne differently. We learned last week that we aren't supposed to show up as slaves. We're supposed to show up as sons because he's he's our father. The last one is the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. You need to welcome in the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit into your prayer life. Capital L, John 14 and 16. And I will ask the Father, this is Jesus talking, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. That helper is Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. He's God too. He's not a spooky ghost. I know we say Holy Ghost and we go, like, oh, he's God. He's the very spirit of God. And when Jesus went back to heaven, he said he would send another helper so that we would not be here alone and that that helper would be here with us to help us, to guide us, to speak to us, to show us the way forever. So you should welcome the Holy Spirit into your day. Holy Spirit, show me the way to go. Holy Spirit, help me to be a good employee today because these people are driving me crazy. You can talk to them like that. 
He would much rather you be real with him. You don't have to speak in King James English. Unless you, that's your, that's your thing, go for it. But be real. Tell them how you're really doing. Tell them what you're really facing. Tell them how you're really struggling. And tell them how much you really need his help. That's a prayer life. It's not one where we show up fake and phony. Talking about we blessed and highly favored. That's cool. I got it. But when, when are you going to be real? If you can't be real with none of us, you should absolutely be real with him. When you go into his presence, you should be vulnerable and transparent and honest and real and raw and authentic. Because that's where you find what you need. He wants to talk to you. He wants you to talk to him. He wants you to have not just a prayer life where a part of your life you dedicate to some form of prayer, but he wants it all throughout your days, your weeks, your months, your years. That's when it becomes a prayer life. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.